Hi, I'm Tammy Hicks-Jackson. Welcome to my podcast. I am a Christian pastor in the United Methodist tradition, and this podcast covers a variety of topics. You may find anything from Bible study and devotions to yoga and meditation from a Christian perspective to my thoughts on Christian leadership and the church. Look for the descriptions and the tags for each episode to find what you're interested in. And thanks for taking this journey with me. Let's jump into this episode. Philemon is a tiny little book of a single chapter in the New Testament. When you're flipping through your Bible, it can often hide from you because it's so short, particularly if you have those pages that are so very thin. But Philemon is a letter from Paul to a man named Philemon. The topic of this letter is regarding a slave that Philemon owns named Onesimus. The letter also mentions Aphia, who is probably Philemon's wife, and Archippus, who is probably his son. Archippus is also mentioned in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, where Paul urges him to fulfill the task that God has given him. Perhaps this is a call to ministry, but there are biblical scholars who believe that perhaps Archippus is called to the work of abolition, to trying to rid the world, or at least the church, of slavery, the practice of owning other human beings, perhaps in part because of this experience in his own household where he is growing up. This is not a private letter. It's addressed to Philemon, but Paul also mentions the entire church because what Philemon chooses to do in the matter of slavery, of owning and controlling other human beings, is of concern for the entire church. It's not an individual problem. It becomes part of their witness, their testimony, and a statement about what we believe about how people are created. The Bible has been used to support slavery throughout time. We know that in our own history in the United States, it's still being used to try to keep slaves in line in other parts of the world. John Wesley sees here in Paul's letter to Philemon, a condemnation of the practice of human slavery. I agree with John Wesley when those people say that Paul endorses it or allows it. I don't think Paul is doing that in his other letters. I think he is acknowledging that he's not able to set everyone who is a believer free, that he's not able to rid the entire culture of slavery But I believe we see a push by Paul to eliminate it within the church. And I believe we hear that pretty strongly in his um, argument. His letter really meant to persuade Philemon to set Onesimus free. For John Wesley, this is an example of how our call to Christ supersedes social standards and, and it dictates how we treat as he quotes it, secular matters from higher principles. So our Christianity cannot be divided from who we are and where we are in society. And we don't get to excuse behavior or excuse addressing things by saying, well, that that's a worldly thing. It all matters. Our faith impacts everything that we do. We know that John Wesley absolutely hated slavery. He called it execrable villainy. Um, in a 
a little pamphlet that he wrote on slavery called Thoughts on Slavery in 1774. So even before we actually had independence from England, he was already condemning slavery. It would take us more than a 100 years um, to come to that same conclusion. It's ironic that, for me, that a church founded out of the revival that he led actually split over the issue of slavery. We became Methodist Episcopal South and Methodist Episcopal North during the American Civil War because General Conference decided that Christians um, should not own slaves. And we had bishops who, who did, and those who did actually here in the South separated. They seceded from the larger body. Um, they were not willing to take the corporate discernment um, of where God was leading. And so we were split for more than a 100 years. Um, before we were able to put that back together. So slavery has had an enormous impact on the Christian faith from the earliest days, as we see from these letters from Paul. As we jump into the letter itself, Paul greets him with grace and peace. This is the typical Paulinian greeting in his letters. In verses 4 through 7, he says, I have found you to be loving, kind, and faithful. Um, And now he encourages Philemon to be loving, kind, and faithful to Onesimus, to his servant. In verses 8 through 16, he continues and makes that argument. Now direct that toward Onesimus. Paul says he appeals, he pleads, he urges. Um, He's literally begging his brother in Christ to see this from his perspective. He refers to himself as one who is imprisoned, and he compares himself to Onesimus. Paul is imprisoned. He's probably writing this during one of his imprisonments, so he is literally imprisoned by the Roman government. But we also know that Paul considered himself a slave, a servant, under the control of and unable to leave or get away from Jesus Christ. And Paul makes the argument that the only thing we should be chained to is the gospel. The only one we should be controlled by is the Holy Spirit of God. He calls Onesimus his child. This is a term that Paul has used for Timothy and for Titus, for young pastors that he is mentoring. So Paul has a relationship with Onesimus, um, just as Philemon does, and he's calling it a close one. Um, and he, he finally ends up saying to Philemon, even if I can't persuade you this is the right thing to do, do this for me. If you won't do it for any other reason, please do it because I'm asking. In verses 4 through 21, every time we see the word you, it is singular. But in verse 22, it's going to be plural. And then in verse 23, it's going to be singular again. So for the majority of this letter, the words are directed to Philemon individually. But in verse 22, when he talks about prepare a guest room for me, for um, I'm hoping to come and visit with you um, and to be restored to you, those are plural, meaning to the entire church there. And then again, in verse 23, he goes back to an individual you, um, and he lists a group of people. And the listing of those people may be to say, these people agree with me, like I'm, I'm putting a little bit of peer pressure on you from others as well. 
Okay, so um, in verse 6 of this book, my translation says, We, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. Some of the manuscripts read you. So Paul is appealing to the fact that um, Philemon has a ministry. He has a witness. And this could be an obstacle to your witness. And, and so he's either saying to your work individually or to the work that we can do together, which also brings a measure of what you choose to do will also have an, an impact on what we can do together. The name Onesimus means useful. Um, we see this in verse 11, where um, Paul talks about he was useless to you, but he is now indeed useful to both of us as a brother in Christ. That's He's playing on the name Onesimus um, there, so it's a a word play that we would miss if we didn't know the meaning. Philemon and Onesimus may have had a quarrel. Um, Onesimus's work may not have been pleasing to Philemon. He also may have taken something or been accused of taking something or doing something wrong. But he does appear in verse 15 to have run away. Um, he may have been loaned to Paul for a short season, and now Onesimus is feeling a call to Christian ministry to continue that work. There are lots of possibilities, and we don't know all of the tiny details of what is happening, so there's a lot of permeations here. Um, but now Paul is urging him, treat Onesimus as a brother, um, free him, um, and it appears that Paul is actually successful because in the book of, in the letter to the Colossians, in chapter four, verse nine, it appears that Onesimus is a free man who is engaging in Christian ministry. He closes this appeal with verses 23 and 24. He mentions Epaphras. Epaphras is also mentioned in the letter to the Colossians, chapter one, verse seven. Either he is from Colossae or he is a missionary to there, but he is apparently jailed for his faith, as Paul is. Um, Mark that is mentioned is probably John Mark that we know from Acts 12, Colossians 4.10, 1 Peter 5.13, 2 Timothy 4.11. Aristarchus um, traveled with Paul. We see that in the book of Acts in chapter 19.29, chapter 20, verse 4, Colossians 4.10, and he especially traveled to Colossae. Um, Demas is mentioned with Luke in Colossians chapter 4 as well, but we know from 2 Timothy that he later abandons Paul, and it hurts Paul's feelings, and he nurses that wound just a little bit. Um, Luke, of course, is the author of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts of the Apostles. Mark and Luke together, um, because they are together at the time this is written, date this really to about the first half of the AD 60s in there, so... It ends with um, grace to your spirit, and this is um, a group. It's a plural on there. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So it, that refers to a group discernment process. As you wrestle with what I've told you and discern what the Holy Spirit is leading you all to do, I hope that there will be the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ present 
And so it's an appeal to extend grace to Onesimus, to live in the grace of God, and to work together. Um, Some of the manuscripts, as with many, many of the letters, adds the word amen at the end of this. But this becomes Paul's, I believe, I join John Wesley in believing, a condemnation of slavery. We don't own one another. We are all created in the image of God, and we should not treat people like property. Um, Now, this would apply even beyond the matter of actual slavery to the way we treat people as employees and friends. There's a saying out there that we sometimes um, value property and use people where we should use property and value people. So um, this becomes Paul's appeal um, for Christians to not engage in acts of controlling, demeaning, oppressing, or owning other human beings.